Um, so we are we ready for our next guest? I think I've figured out. How I mean, to do we're never ready for it. Are we? Well. No. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> Not for this it's guy. A, the, the marathon man himself. It's um, it's it's going to be well cooling. Let's yeah, see you can go have a lie can, down uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> if um, I think I might have to uh, let's have a look here. So I've added him. We and, go. Uh, no, he's not on with us yet. Let me see. Billy C, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? We there can indeed. Oh, that was a uh, that was seamless. Will, thank you for that. I mean, it was oh. got a bit awkward there trying to um, add John on there, but uh, seamless adding you. We didn't even get a uh, a ringtone or anything. But Will, the marathon man himself, the guy of uh, the four hour podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, the one issue I had is obviously to to ensure you didn't get that thing where you can hear me listening to the show. When you started to say goodbye to John, I put I like I cut my internet, I cut the stream. So I'm like, are they calling? Have they have they called? And I've missed it because <laughs> in, in in classic in classic you try and be professional and it goes wrong. I was like, I'm due some updates on my computer. So whilst I'm listening to uh, Benno and John, I will start those updates. That was 40 minutes ago, and the updates are 50 minutes complete. So I'm having to do this through my mobile phone. So foiled again at attempts to be, be professional. But yes, no, it's great to be here. And, uh, what time's your shop? Come on, Will. Um, you know what? I, I actually got that yesterday. So that, that, oh, that, there, is no, there is no danger of the shop coming during the show. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> That's kind of you, you're a caring bit. I wanted that today. Oh, well. <laughs> no, that'll be at 10 o'clock tonight. I've never known somebody get the shopping delivered so late. <laughs> no, but obviously, thank you. All jokes aside, thank you so much, Will. Because it's like I was saying to Benno earlier, obviously, you know, we, we talk a lot about the modern stuff, but like with most people that have done podcasts with and stuff like that, never really had a chance to talk your background. So you've got like a huge background in, in history and sort of like journalism, specifically with sort of like mixed martial arts and you've actually covered a lot of ufc which um you don't really get a chance to talk about on um on sort of like the shows you do with me and benno and the wrestling side of things so how did you sort of like originally come into sort of like um mixed martial arts and and combat sports journalism yeah so it's a weird one really so I, I like i always wanted to to write you know when 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 the internet kind of became a thing just yes shodan grabs kids we did have the internet when the likes of us were growing up. Um, you know, we had no, there were discussions and no arguments online about wrestling. It was crazy. <laughs> um, even before Twitter and Facebook. Um, but like, I think one of the things people don't realize is, is that it's relatively recently that it's easy to create a website. Like, like say in the early noughties, it was hard work. You know, you had to actually have mm. like real skills, to create a website. And even to write for one, you had to have, decent skills like you had to know how to do things like html and so like i wanted to write about wrestling i couldn't because i was a wwf fan plenty of americans wanted to write about wwf and also obviously this was back when we got raw four days after the americans like can you imagine having to wait that long for raw now um, um, no, i couldn't even dream of it <laughs> well, we, we, let's face it, we can't. We, we wouldn't want to watch it anyway. Like, I was up. I was up at like one, two o'clock um, last night. I was like, "Oh, that really highly anticipated SmackDown's on. Ah, I'm going to watch a, re a rerun of Grand Tour instead. <laughs> why would you? Why would you watch WWE now? 
And so I actually got into writing about comics um, because what was 411 Wrestling, um, the Scott, no, the site that hosted Scott Keith, which was one of the internet writers, I really liked at the time. Um, they were <laughs> you too, was it just the two of us? <laughs> I'm like, I would say <laughs> he's still going. Oh, I know, I know. He's still putting those. Uh, actually, I think I follow him on Twitter. To be honest, I think he's uh, he's not changed his review style, which I kind of respect. The um, I um, because I I did stuff. Uh, do you remember R- Ransylvania? Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I used to submit like reader article back in like 2000 and 2001 to both Scott's website and then. Uh, CRZ's website as well, Zinnemann's yeah. uh, website. Um, and but like, I just couldn't get traction. You know, I, there there was no gap for like some British guy who just writes about WWF. Um, you know, you, you're far too off the pace. But yeah, no. So four one one wrestling was relaunching as like a general entertainment site, and they were looking for comic book reviewers. And I had no interest in British wrestling, but I was like a fanatical 2000 AD fan and for British comics were much better than American comics. And so I got in touch with them and said, no, you, you're, you've got this comic site, but you don't have anyone reviewing 2000 AD. I can review 2000 AD. And they're like, yeah, that, that's fine. But you do need to review American stuff as well. So I started doing that, and I and I did had that association with them for years, uh, and I, I kind of drifted away when I was at uni. Um, but that was great because, again, like when the internet was new, particularly things in Britain, they were just so desperate for any website to cover them. So like one of my first two thousand eight, no, it wasn't two thousand eight. It was one of my first reviews of just Dread magazine, and like I'm just this goofy eighteen year old reviewing it on my like writing my reviews on my school computer in my lunch hour because we didn't have internet at home um that kind of discounts my argument when i was making one of shard and grab's <laughs> kids the internet is, is like this really new thing but um that review got got blurbed on the front page of your dread magazine I'd go into the shop and there was like will coolick says this magazine is awesome i was like Wow. <laughs> um, so, I, so I did that for a few years and then went to uni, got a job. job no, Bloom was going off the roads of having a job. It was getting a bit boring after a year. And I was like, you know what? I, I want to do something to stimulate myself. I want to get back into online writing. And I thought about going back to doing comics. And I was like, uh, the problem with you in comics is it's expensive to do. Um, because, like, my, my thing, if, if you're a reviewer, you have to watch a lot of whatever you're reviewing. Like, you have to watch a lot more than what you actually review because you can't just watch all the good stuff. You can't watch all, just watch all the bad stuff. You have to watch, like, a range because that's how you actually weigh what is good, what is bad, what is mediocre, what are the trends. So when I was reviewing comics, I had, like, a pool list that was, like, 40 quid a week um spend on comics and mm. i just didn't want to i didn't want to i didn't have the money and if i did have the money i'd better things to spend it on um than comics at that point so i was looking around that because uh, i was part of the the half of 401 mania that broke off to go with inside pulse so i was like oh they've they've got like a usc section now um i'm getting into usc um 
now that I've left uni and I can have Satanta and I can watch the fights live, I'm going to volunteer to to get back involved as a UFC writer. And um, it was actually Jeremy Botter um, of um, you know Heavy MMA and Flow Slam fame, who was the editor of Inside Fights, and, and he said, you know, give us give us a spec um, article as a pitch, and I did that, and he said, yeah, you're in, and it was weird because, like, reality of it is, I really didn't know enough to to be writing um, for inside <laughs> to be writing about MMA. But I quickly got up to speed, and the thing where it really clicked for me was um, there was uh, this was UFC 104 where you had uh, Leota Machida going up against Shogun Hua. Hmm. And I, I was watching this live because this is back before I wouldn't just fall asleep at 4 a.m. in the morning, no matter what I wanted to watch. Um, and I was watching this live and I was so angry at how the judges gave the fight to um, Machida. And even like playing an hour uh, of GTA 4 wouldn't calm me down. <laughs> so I eventually wrote like a 2000 word article explaining both why I thought the judges had scored it that way and why it was the wrong decision. And the article did pretty well in terms of the number of views, but actually it kind of exactly got the rationale behind the judges' decision-making right as well. One of the judges, Cecil Peoples, came out a couple of days later and basically said what I said he thought. And so from that moment, I actually got this like wave of confidence. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. There's something here in my writing style. And it kind of just exploded from there because then Jeremy left because he went to be part of heavy.com's MMA section, which for those who are observer subscribers was the site that also took Tough Talk by Oliver Kopp and Mike Sawyer off the, off the Wrestling Observer for a while. So... They they brought in they brought in like who was the editor in chief Sean Smith to kind of how it handled the side. But I basically became the editor. And the thing was, it's like this was kind of a goofy side, like it was a small side. But what we had was we were Fox Sports affiliate, and what a Fox Sports affiliate meant was that Fox could get you to do all the work without paying you. It was a brilliant <laughs> deal, and so. For basically a year, 18 months, I was one of Fox's lead MMA writers without ever receiving a penny from them. And sports Will Cooley. <laughs> and my 20, 21-year-old brain was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> But it's like it was like things like so like when when you had Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin, you literally had um, you know Fox were like okay you're doing the live so you're doing the live blog for Inside Fights. Um, in addition to writing the live blog into fight into Inside Fights is uh, content moderation system CMS content man management system even you were having to email the same text over to Fox. So they can put it on their website for their live blog. And then once you finish the live blog, 
you then have an hour to get the front page article ready. Um, so like about 700 words on the main event. And bear in mind, I'm doing this at six o'clock in the morning whilst drinking. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you, mate. Oh, I know. No. I was about to say, that's, you've changed a lot since then, haven't you, Will? <laughs> and, um, and it, was, it was great fun. You know, like I was, like, I mean, the live blogs is something. I do not know how I did it because I think about it now and I just don't think I would be able to keep up um, in terms of transcribing the action. And, and also, like, the way with MMA live blogs is you don't just transcribe the action. You've got to give a score. So you've got to say who you fought in the round as well. And so, like, it was very chaotic. But it, it was good. And, like, no, obviously, I made fun of the fact that they were getting me to do this for free. It was tremendous um, learning experience. And um, there's, he actually sadly passed away very recently. Um, the editor I worked with at Fox was a guy called Scott Wilson. And he was amazing. Because I, the, the issue I had is... Um, you know, I don't know if you've heard this, guys. I can be a bit verbose. I can go on a bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And uh, and he he basically and like this this has kind of gone out of fashion now, but I, but I think it's mistaken. His big viewpoint was is an internet article shouldn't be over seven hundred words because nobody will read anything on the internet if it goes beyond seven hundred words. Now, obviously, now you get the big deep dives and long reads. Mm. Um, but actually, if you talk to anybody who writes online, who has, you know, writes for a website that has these sophisticated, where do people stop reading? People basically read 700 words, you know, like they may read the beginning of your long read and the end of it, but that most people don't enjoy reading long magazine style articles online. And what he did is he basically got my writing style tightened up a lot. I know it was, it was silly things like, trying to do too much of an article. You might have like three ideas of one article, um, uh, and which would be better off being three separate articles. Or I, I, I'd done debating at university and felt I was like addicted to the rule of three. And right. so like, if I wanted to make the point, I'd give three examples, which just slowed the writing down. And it's like, no, you just need to give one example and you've made your point. And so like my writing style massively improved doing that stuff for Fox, doing those 700-word instant reaction articles. Um, and, it, and it was great fun. But, yeah, like, you do look at best, look on it now, and you're like, you should have got paid. And, and the thing was that was particularly embittering about the whole situation was that when they – I remember I was in Trinidad for a friend's wedding when the news broke that Fox had gotten the right to uh, UFC. Uh, this would be in 2000 and – 11 was when the news mm. broke because up until this point everybody thought it was going to be MB NBC um, because NBC had been hosting WCW and then the UFC on Versus um, shows and Fox got it at the last minute and so like I remember having like a long phone call with uh, Sean uh, my editor-in-chief and we just thought, like, this is amazing for us. Like, Fox have the rights. They're going to be starting to throw real money at covering MMA. You know, there's there's real mm. scope to, like, do this professionally. Mm. It's like, nope. They've been, they've been happy to use us when, when they weren't spending money on the site. Now that it was a priority, they just went and got other people. 
Yeah, no, so, that was, well, so they were like, now we've got some, uh, now we've got some money. You're sacked, Will. <laughs> well, it wouldn't even that. Like, no, they'd have happily still got got the free writing. They just, they, it just didn't change their mind of whether to pay for it or not. So I, I, I eventually went to one of them. This wouldn't have been Scott. He had left by this point. But I went to his replacement and went. You know, I see you're hiring writers. Is there any roles I can apply for? And they're like, no. I was like, okay, well, I'm not sending you any more free articles then. I am, I am shocked that a Rupert Murdoch-owned company would treat people in this fashion. <laughs> you sound like Kramer in Seinfeld. Will you sure you ever actually worked there? Are you sure you didn't just, <laughs> just turn up one day? <laughs> I, I, I swear to you the articles were there and, and I, look as we said as well like you know we're, we're making fun of it but also like there were perks involved as well so like one of the ones was credentials and like UFC but they you know there are promotions which will remain nameless in case everyone get credentials off them again that are a bit loosey-goosey with who they'll give credentials to but like UFC were like were like proper like they were they they took it very seriously and like i remember like because the, like, the first show i went to which was usc 105 in manchester and literally i had to sneak in to my works finance department to use their fax machine because you had to fax a contract over to the states of like, basically what you had agreed how you had agreed to behave at ringside and it was things like you won't drink alcohol. You won't cheer. You won't boo. You won't get out of your seat. Um, you won't show any partisanship to the fighters. You won't try and talk to the fighters from ringside. Now, at this point, there wasn't a caveat, which is none of this applies if you're Brazilian, because um, as anybody <laughs> anybody involved in USD media, the Brazilians, the Brazilian journalists play by their own rules. But like, this was quite a strict contract that you had to sign and send over. Um, um, but yeah, so like, so like that was a great experience. And like, particularly if I had, if I'd have had a bit more wearable with my money, I would have been able to use it as an ability to go and watch. If, if, if I put the legwork in to get over to the States, I'd have been able to use it even more. Because I know Jeremy, when he was writing for Inside Fights, was getting uh, credentials for the big Vegas shows. Oh, wow. So it was, it, 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 there were definite positives to the experience. But uh yeah, you do look so back. What, what on would it, happen yeah. if you were a big sort of like media outlet, and obviously UFC wanted you to cover this event, and you refused to sign one of that contracts? Would they just sort of like let it slide, or would they actually let them in? Uh, my understanding was is that everybody had to sign it. Um, um, right. enough, there was nothing objectionable in it. It was basically you will behave yourself, and like UFC do treat journalists quite well. Like they feed you. Um, like you get like you go. I mean, the one thing you always have is trying to find where they're giving out the credentials. Like, that's always a nightmare. But once you're backstage, you basically, you go, you, you go to, like, a special entrance, um, special, like, lobby. And they will have, um, like, a three-course meal for you um, and unlimited soft drinks for you to drink. And I was there for the Dan Henderson uh, Michael Biggs Bisping match, the one that was on at like five o'clock in the morning UK time. Mm. Not only did we get a meal at the start, when you came, when you kind of filter back at the at the end of the show, the like the post fight press conference, they actually had breakfast for us as well. Wow! 
um, so yeah, so no, like you know, you you guys think uh, WXW looks after I was people? Gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> it's, nothing, it's nothing compared to the UFC. Did you get access to the fighters as well, Will? Yeah. So what you do is, I I I couldn't make the most of it, but like what they do is, is the first day before the fight for the event, there would be a meet there'd be like a press conference and access to the fighters given there and I, because i was usually traveling down on a friday because they, they used they, they tend to be in manchester or or uh, london i i very i i think i only went to one which was in birmingham uh, and there you could you could actually talk one-on-one -on -one with the fighters and then obviously you would have the press conference um after the fights and you would get to you would get to ask questions you know, et cetera, et cetera. I think you could ask to see particular fighters if you wanted to, but the type of stuff I was doing, I never had to. I, I, I could just mm -hmm. take the stuff when I made a press conference. Uh, the first one I went to UFC at 105, that was a press conference when they announced how seriously ill Brock Lesnar was. So I, I was in the room when Dana White said, basically, Brock Lesnar's fighting for his life. And I remember, like, the air just went out of the room. No one could believe it. Like, they didn't say what it was because he'd, he'd pulled from the fight uh, saying he had mono, uh, glandular fever, um, you know, in our, in our, in our language. Um, uh, but he'd, he'd seen fine. And so there's this big mystery about what was going on. Why had he pulled out from this Kenny Velasquez fight? And then, yeah, he just said, oh, you know, he's going to the Mayo Clinic. Brock Lesnar's in a real bad shape. He's fighting for his life. And we were just like, don't know. I remember talking to people afterwards. There were rumors whether he had AIDS or cancer or, you know, it was, it was, a, it was crazy. Wow, yeah, that certainly, uh, that certainly sounds... Did you ever get to chat to Dana like one-on-one -on -one or anything like that then? Or was he like the fighters, you know, were not really in your remit? No, I never spoke to Dana. Um, I, I, I think I never wanted to. Like, I, I asked questions in a press conference. <laughs> I, never, I, never, I, never, I never tried to do that. The one I did get to speak to, which was interesting, I got to speak to Marshall Zelnek, I think I pronounced his right, uh, name right, who was the, like, the head of USC in like, Britain and Middle East and Africa. And he was an interesting guy in terms of his viewpoint. Um, and the one that was always funny with him was, it's like, say, oh, so, you know, you've signed with Fox now. Will that make it easier to get onto Sky? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one I got to speak to, which was genuinely very interesting, was Ratner, you know, their head of uh, regulation and obviously like one of the greatest um, officials in American boxing history as well. And, just, and I just got like 10 minutes talking to him about various um things and so because obviously in the ufc it's like when the ufc comes to britain they act as their own uh, regulatory body and he was saying to me is that they'd want to try to get the british uh, boxing board of control to play that role and they were going to pay the the, uh, the board of control to do this for them and the, and, the, and, the, and the board of control said no i bet they regret that decision no i know <laughs> So what were some of your favourite sort of like UFCs that you went to then while you were covering it? Because you also did it for Fighting Spirit magazine as well, didn't you, at one point? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird when I actually find Swim Magazine because I, I, I was like their lead UFC writer. But I would very, the, the UK shows, I would very rarely actually write up the reviews because Brian Elliott would go to the UK shows because he was covering them for the Press Association. And, and so he would do the UK show reviews um, um, and I would just review everything else. But in terms of um, fights, and I'll get back onto fights for a magazine, in terms of uh, favourite fights, I mean, UFC 120 just as an overall event felt like a huge deal. Like it felt like this was the coming wave. Like you had so many people with Dan Hardy's goofy haircut running around and Bisping uh, seemed the biggest star in the world against Akiyama. And you had uh, John Hathaway got a good victory first on the top. Like it really felt like you know, there's something here, like 20,000 people in the O2, and the O2 is a brilliant venue, unlike Wembley Arena, which is a bit of a dump, um, to be honest. <laughs> um, and so, like, that thought, like, oh, this is, they're going to really kick on and be something big. Bit like SummerSlam 92, that turned out to be a mirage, and that kind of was the peak of UFC in the UK. Um, um, they've kind of just been happy to kind of float at that level ever since. Um, I, I, ironically, actually, I think it'd be the last two UFC shows I went to, which would be um, Bisping uh, Silva and Bisping Henderson. You know, I was a, I'm a huge Bisping fan. A fan. Um, I always get annoyed when Americans talk about him as this great heel, which he is. Don't get me wrong. He's a brilliant, brilliant heel. But they always forget he's a brilliant babyface too. And, mm. and, and that's what made him such a star in the UK and really kind of built this deep connection uh, with UK fans. And I, think, and I think he is, he does show that thing about the English that is very different, not just to the Americans, but also to the Scots or to the Australians. That type of cheeky humour um, yeah. and sarcasm. Um, which we which we find endearing, everybody else finds annoying, which is why they cheer when we lose at the football. Um, and I know the this, this silver fight was crazy. And I, I'm a, again, I'm a huge Anderson Silver fan. I mean, I used to think I, I cared very deeply about whether fighters took performance-enhancing drugs. And then Anderson Silver was caught taking them, and I realized I didn't. Uh, <laughs> like, I know people who just think, like, you know, Anderson Silver, what he achieved doesn't count it's all tainted and deep down i'm like ah i still think he's great um and so like that fight was crazy there was a there was a strike silver guard i think i think it was the third or fourth round which live you didn't know it came after the bell and so like i scored it for silver because live you couldn't hear the bell had gone and so you actually scored you know, you scored points off an illegal move. And then the Henderson-Bisping fight. I, like, I still think what Henderson did to Bisping at UFC 100 was disgraceful. Um, you know, people can talk about fighting to the bell, but Bisping was clearly finished. Biz, uh, Henderson's talked about how, you know, he, he, he basically got worked into a shoot because he's a big crybaby mark. Um, and he decided to you know, cheap shot Bisping because Bisping had actually been an effective heel on the ninth season of uh, The Ultimate Fighter. And like, you 
know, that really affected Bisping's career. Like, I, uh, as we talked about, I was at UFC 105, which was Bisping's comeback fight. And he gets a bad, bad drop down in that fight against uh, Kim. No, Quang, I think. And then he had one Randale Silver fight in like 2011 where he was so tentative and just gifted a victory to Randale Silver because he just wouldn't go forward and attack. And so to see Bisping go through war to finally avenge this victory, you know, you know be on the brink of being defeated several times. You know, Manchester, you know, at four or five o'clock in the morning, Manchester evening uh, news arena. I know it's not called that now, but, you know, um, you know, them singing songs and cheering on Bisping and Bisping finally winning. Yeah, just 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 amazing. Just just you can't can't top that. Yeah, no, I can imagine. So um, so you were covering it for fine spirit. And obviously you said Brian got to go to the events and stuff. So did you kind of sort of like fall out? You, you've said there were a few things that um, you weren't a big fan of in terms of like with Bisping and stuff. So did you just sort of like fall out of love with the UFC or did or did you was there not an outlet you could cover it for anymore? No, so I mean, it's weird. So I, I don't I think I just got busy with life. It's quite a difficult sport to follow because it's so much based. I'm being up very early um, um, and, you know, there's so, so much content being pumped out for it. And once FSM folded in 2019, I wasn't really covering it for anybody. And that did kind of just start me, cause me to drift away from it a bit. Um, and, and I think the other thing as well is when I got into it, one of the things I was really striking was that, you know, the fighters felt like role models. Um, you know, compared to boxers, com- even compared to pro wrestlers, to be honest, like, you know, they, they tended to be have college educations. A lot of them had other careers, like you know, Shane Carin was an engineer, which, which uh, Franklin was a teacher. Um, and it, it, felt, it felt like you're covering something very cool. And then by 2020, it... it, it a bit grubby and it felt a bit like they're just like boxers and pro wrestlers like there's some good some bad but like this idea that there's something distinct about them and about their stories had gone away but i think the other thing as well is is the action became more boring i mean i think i think there has been an issue in mma in terms of it becoming a bit homogenous you know you know everyone's got pretty decent uh, wrestling defense um, everyone's got pretty good grappling defense. Um, and so, like, the really fun stuff you used to get, where you would just get a wrestler impose their wrestling on somebody who had no clue, or you would have a grappler just dance around somebody on the mat, that's really rare now. And so it is more of an attritional, bland sport. Um, like, I watch it every now and Some again. Some of that was bad. Design though, wasn't it as well? Well, I'd say like even aesthetically, you know, the the fighters all wearing you know the same Reebok gear, and oh, yeah. you know they, there was a distinct move, wasn't there, from like you know big UFC events being special to you know there being a, a million UFC events a month, and it was almost the I mean that that was that was I think a purposeful thing, wasn't it? Once you know Dana White wanted it to be like you know it's like any other sport. There's constantly constantly things going on, and there's constantly shows happening, and, and you know. There's all of these, you know, hundreds of, of fighters to to keep an eye on. I think that was tactical in some ways, but also drove off a lot of people. Like it definitely drove me off. 
Yeah, and I think I think like even for like Brian, you talked to Brian about UFC, and like we're both in the same situation where we're kind of just about still watching it, but so mm. many of the people we used to talk about it to just just aren't following it closely. Um, and I think they they don't do as good a job as boxing of basically telling you which are the important fights and which aren't. Yeah, and so there is this kind of thing of you watch everything, but yeah, no, I. Yes, I have drifted away from it, but um, I must admit, like, the first show they had back with crowds, and, you know, you had Rose winning the title of the Chinese champion. Like, that was great. That, that really reminds you of how, well, special sport it can be, because, you know, it was basically Rocky Four in real life, um, and, and it was brilliant. And, and like you said, like, you know, talking about FSM, because one of the stuff I was doing with FSM, I was doing event reviews. I was also doing the long, the, the long features, and that, so like you'd be going into like the kind of the, the deeper meaning of fights, of rivalries, and so like stuff like that. I think that's just fun, and I think when you do get that in combat sports, it's 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 a lot of the fun, and this is where WWE is is, is such a mess because mm. WWE doesn't want anything to resonate with real life; they don't want it to reflect society they just want it to be wrapped up in its own law in its own kind of weird combination of buzzwords and half memories and catchphrases and so it's just like yeah the UFC does have that in points but I think the days when you would you could you could confidently say UFC was doing pro wrestling better than pro wrestling I think that's that's not been true for quite a while Oh, I, I should say, do, I should say, uh, do you want to hear the story of when Brian um, recruited me for FSM? Oh, go for it. This, yeah, yeah this, is quite, this is quite a funny story. So it's UFC 120. And I'd been doing some work for Brian on, a, on an e-zine called Scrap the Fight Mag. Um, he was getting paid. I was, uh, this keeps happening to me. Um, with <laughs> Um, and so um, we bump into each other, and he's like, you know, we, we're trying to find our credentials. We, we eventually have credentials. We're going to get a meal. And he just turns to me and says, uh, oh, Will, are you, uh, you a wrestling fan? Like, I, I used to watch it when I was young. I don't really watch it that much now. And it's like, oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've just taken over a wrestling magazine, and we're looking for people to write for it. I'm like, ah, oh, well, you know, what I meant to say, Brian, is of course I watch wrestling. I love wrestling. <laughs> Because at, at that point, they were, Brian hadn't made up his mind whether to keep the UFC coverage. Because mm. that was always one of the big distinguishing factors between Power Slam and Fighting Spirit Magazine. Fighting Spirit Magazine devoted a lot more attention to mixed martial arts. Like Power Slam would do it occasionally, I think, particularly with Mo Chartres, but not to the extent FSN did. And it was it was kind of controversial because you know you do get wrestling fans who don't want to read about MMA, mm. and so like the first article he was he didn't have any UFC coverage. He was like you can only pitch wrestling stuff to me, and like I re- at that point I was watching a bit but not enough to write about. So I think it was like the under it was like an a anniversary of the Undertaker's debut or something. So I pitched that. Um, uh, and then it was Linda McMahon. This would be, yeah, this would be 2010. So I pitched Linda McMahon was running for the Senate. But I was like, well, I can, give, I can give you an article explaining what's going on with Linda McMahon. 
And so he said, yes, we'll do them. Both articles were late. So I started as I meant to go on. And uh, <laughs> for Brian, he accepted them, these later articles and kept me around for another nine years. Um, if you look, for the first five years in, in FSM, there's hardly anything I write about that's modern-day pro wrestling because I really wasn't watching enough. Only mm. in, like, 2015, I, I, I get confident enough to start writing about modern-day pro wrestling again. When did um, Brian make that shift from? Was it from when he immediately took over? Like, shifting from the MMA, the split coverage between MMA and wrestling to, to just wrestling? Like, what, what do you remember when that decision was made? Because, like, I always think that's, like, with MMA, like... I know about it through attrition, really, through, you know, listening to Observer Radio and you, you put it on and Dave goes on about MMA for half an hour and you kind of can't help but, like, get a bit of knowledge of it. And it's all, you know, listen to John Pollock and the like, you know, he does a lot of, like, UFC coverage too. And it's so kind of baked into our world that we all kind of end up with, like, a, a weird kind of crossover understanding of it, even if I still think that while this crossover you know certainly in, in plenty of ways it, it it still always felt weird that like it was almost like on the wrestling side like we wanted to be like we're the same for legitimacy and the mma side were like no we want nothing to do with that that wrestling lot there's always been that crossover but i do remember that being a big feature of like fighting spirit magazine and then you know obviously towards its uh, its end it was it was purely just wrestling yes yeah, so, i mean he 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 had a couple of issues with no mma then it came back but what he had the idea of is, is is we have to always be writing with a pro wrestling fan's mindset. And I think this is what he changed from the previous version of the magazine. Because mm. the previous version was writing stuff about MMA for MMA fans. And, mm. it, and it is different. They did a book of scene, which I got to write for. And, you know, you, 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 you write, if you're writing about for an MMA audience, you write in a different way. Because it's more about how, you know, fight strategies, technique, you know, mm. that sort of thing. Whereas what Brian would get me to do would be things like, you know, Charles Sun and Anderson Silva. Here's a rivalry um, that, and we will write about the rivalry as if it's a great pro wrestling feud because our pro wrestling fans will get a huge kick out of all the wacky antics that have happened in this rivalry. Mm. And I think that's what Brian tried to do. And, and the reason why you stop getting MMA coverage in the magazine is UFC just wasn't doing stuff like that anymore. Um, right. uh, and so you, you, you just didn't have the kind of crossover stuff to justify it. And I think the, the, the best example of that was the annual awards, where for, I think for the last two, maybe three years, boxers were winning the shoot fighter awards mm. by Tyson Anthony Joshua. Well, well, we're, we're beating UFC fighters, and personally, to me now, you know, you know, Dave and John, you know, their websites, they can do what they want. I personally don't see the argument now uh, for oh, MMA yeah. having any that. more. Over Sorry. Like when it Go when there. it's like you know like like it's like end of of year like uh, awards and stuff, and it'd be like promo of the year, Conor McGregor, and it's like, I mean, it's not the same. It's like best example, CM Punk, you know. World class promo and wrestling went over to MMA. He can't do that promo style because it's a real fight and he's not that good at it. You know what I mean? It was like, it's so clearly a different game. I do hate when, like, those, yes, there are parallels, but I do think sometimes publications try and force things into the same category, like feud of the year or promo of the year. And 
act like it's the same thing. It's like, well, one's a performance and one is kind of a performance, but, you know, a different kettle of fish, I suppose. But, but I'd say as well, like, I don't... I think there was a time when UFC was so clearly modelled on WWE in terms sure. of its business approach that there was... No matter, no, however much of an overlap you thought there was, there was more of an overlap between UFC and WWE than between boxing and WWE or between boxing and UFC. And I think boxing has became a bit more like UFC, UFC became a bit more like boxing, and WWE is just, WWE is just completely off to left field doing its own thing. And I just don't see, I don't think there's an argument for saying Conor McGregor should be included, but Floyd Mayweather shouldn't. No, back in 2019, that doesn't make any sense to me, and 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 so yeah, so I I personally don't 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 see the overlap now, and I don't think most fans do. I think I think you have got to a point now where you're either a pro wrestling fan or you're a UFC fan. Mm-hmm. You might watch the big, you might watch WrestleMania if you're a UFC fan. You might watch a Conor fight if you're a a wrestling fan, but most people they're not. They're not watching both because there's too much content. Mm. Yeah, this is one of the other things as well. You know, you got to remember that the peak of the WWE fans watching UFC uh, as well was when WWE bits pretty much had the show to itself, where there wasn't a strong secondary promotion in the states. So Impact fans, when Japan <laughs> was completely dead on its ass, so you didn't have like you'd watch WWE if you had time to watch something else. You could you could actually invest a lot of time in watching UFC because you know WWE only ran so many weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I will say actually is as well the one thing that always used to drive me crazy with Dave was um, he massively overrated Charles Sonnen. <laughs> this is this, this is this is one of these um, hills I will die on and I will die on repeatedly. No, Charles Charles was a very funny guy. Um, you know, if you ignore like some of the undertones of what he was saying, but he didn't know his role. Like going into the Anderson Silver fight, he was the good guy. Yes, he was acting like a heel. There were there were random fights where he'd literally just repeat old seventies mm. um, promos from pro wrestlers, and like mm. I get that that would pop Dave. But like this isn't actually very good. This is not actually drawing people into the building, mm. and and you can see that with his drawing power against Anderson Silva, he was a huge draw. Everybody else has been kind of mediocre, and and I think one of the things a lot of people don't realize is one the thing that kind of made Sonnen a legend in terms of his drawing power was fake, because basically, obviously, it's different now because the UFC Disney gets the stuff in directly through uh, ESPN Plus. But obviously, back back before digital pay-per-view, it took took time to get the numbers in from all the various cable companies. Like even Dave's estimate took a week to get in, two weeks to get in. So what you would instead do is you would look at things like online interest and make a guess based on that. Now... The, those early estimates of the first Sonnen Silver fight, which is one of the greatest fights I've ever seen, you know, the, the last minute submission, shrieked at five o'clock in the morning when that happened, much to the annoyance of my neighbors. Um, mm-hmm. That was huge. 
online, like no inside files. I was, I was, I was still editor of it at the time. We could see like anything that mentioned Chow Sonnen, Anson Silver, Vita Belfort was just doing numbers you couldn't imagine. It was just crazy. And um, that got people this idea in their head that Sonnen was this huge superstar. But mm. actually it turned out that there was something weird going on, that there was more online interest than people buying it. Because like the show did a fine number, like you know, 500, 600,000 uh, households buying it in North America. But it wasn't nothing. It wasn't what people thought it was going to be based on those early indicators. But so yeah, that that's an old rant from uh, back in the day. What about? Can't believe so, those it... internet fans, mate. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. I was I was going to ask where do you think they go now? Because obviously you know Connor's been a huge draw for them. You know, despite you know his um, what he's like in his personal life. Um, have they got a draw lined up ready to come for them to be a big sort of like pay-per-view store or are we seeing sort of like Conor on his you know Conor on his downturn is really going to affect UFC's business now oh no I mean Conor Conor's looked into a four fight hasn't he I mean they're being quite open about this you know he'll go away he'll rehab his leg and he'll come back and he'll have the four fight with Dustin Poirier um, um, hopefully for the title if he can overcome Charles Valeri um I mean, UFC's business seems fine. I mean, the, the, the hookup with Disney has been an incredible success for them. Pay-per-views seem, are doing well. Um, I, I think they'll be fine. And I, and I think you got to remember, like, you don't... Obviously, it's good to have a Conor McGregor super draw. But, like, back in 2009... 2008 even, before Brock really got going. They were doing better on pay-per-view than boxing, even though they didn't have a mega draw. Like The, the great strength of UFC is just how they can keep grinding out these shows, which will do 400, 500, 600,000 buys. Um, so I think they're fine. I think the one good thing you've had in a pandemic era is that they've really loaded up their pay-per-views because they've not been worried about having to draw draw at the gate with their TV shows. They've mm-hmm. really let them off, the star power of like your 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 bog standard TV show go down the down the tube. And Todd Martin was writing about this for Sherdog. You know, it's it's like will they be able to do that still as they move back to trying to have shows in front of crowds? Will they feel the pressure? To start um, diluting these pay-per-views again because like some of these big UFC shows have, have been great for star power and then you have I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname but I'll get it wrong but like if they can if they can get over the issue they're having with Francis as a heavyweight champion like he should be huge like you, do you see the celebrations when he won the title in Africa mm. oh yeah uh, like you know that you know, like this, I mean, Pele was talking about, you know, before before the year 2000, we'll have an African uh, world champion in football. And, like, I think there has been a sense that Africa has underperformed in sport these past 20, 30 years, you know, for, for, for good reasons, like lack of investment, lack of resources. And I, and I do think if, if they can get him as this long-running champion, as, like, the face of a continent... Um, that that could be 
huge because I think I think there's been a real thirst and push for for, for such for, for someone to play such a role. Like the, the old uh, Bobby Heenan line about why Bill Goldberg would be such a big star because Jewish people have always wanted to have a combat sports champion of their own. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's been fascinating listening to you, Will. Um, any sort of like uh, final questions for Will by now before we uh, before we wrap up with Will and move on? Um, I was gonna say, um, I don't know what, what, what I mean on the couldn't let you go, Will, without talking a little bit about a uh, Brit Res. I was gonna say about you know, obviously we're we're getting back to to live shows again. I know you had a, a ticket for Bristol this weekend, didn't you? But you know, you're not going now, but. I don't know. I just I just see the rest of this uh, this year shaping up. I think we've all, you know, you're one of the the few people left in the trenches with us. Well, it's me, Martin, the Ogdens, Ian Hamilton. I'm not sure there's many other people out there covering Brit Res on a on a regular basis. And to say, you know, this last year has been tough for a, a variety of reasons. Some very serious. Some, you know, pandemic related. Some just the lack of content, I suppose, to to report on. We've all kind of been waiting for, you know, stuck in stasis, waiting for this period to, to come up and for for shows to come back. Uh, I don't know. Is the light at the end of the tunnel? Are we in for an exciting few months of Brit Res coverage? Or are we just going back to, you know, the few months we were pre-pandemic? Like, how do you see the rest of this year playing out? Yeah, I'd have to say, some of the progress cards make me look back on the no content era with Fondus. Honestly. Bring back the Chris Brooks shoot angles. That's what we need. <laughs> um, I think most of it's been pretty dire, to be honest. Um, and and I think I think JP on your show, Ben, on Grapple, was making a point. A lot of it is just completely impervious to critical analysis. Mm. Like I've I've not been covering the progress shows on on the torch. It's like we know where they're being done. They're being done to fulfil some commitment to WWE. Um, otherwise, Riley will have to give WWE their money back. So, okay, it fulfills that purpose. The action isn't brilliant, but a lot of these people are, be, are pushed over their head. So you're just mean if you go and say this young oh. person, the push person. Totally. We had this in the like. This is something we've all had criticism of in the past. You know, back when we were you know heavily covering rev pro and progress and they're like you get someone going why aren't you covering stockport pro wrestling they've got yeah. a great job it's like, yeah well you know there were 50 people there and if i cover it i've got to cover it with kid gloves because you know am i gonna go in on the fact that like these two trainees who have five matches are the one star match like i'm not am i so instead i'm gonna pat them on the head and go yeah it was fun and that's about as much material you can get out of it you're absolutely right will like that those were like you know we, we could avoid covering those shows back then. Now that's Brit Res. <laughs> that, that is the mainstream shows, isn't it? I used to get hammered all the time by somebody asking me why we never covered Chaos Pro Wrestling. I don't think they even had a VOD. And I was like, well, outside of going to the shows, I don't know how I could physically do that. <laughs> and no one cared about it other than the you know the 50 people who lived in the vicinity of the venue we were going, you know? We're trying to do a podcast for a worldwide or at least countrywide audience, you know? And I know you're the same, Will. Yeah. Now, what I will say is, I'm quite surprised at how good the Red Pro cards have been. What they've announced so far. Yeah, what they announced, um, I'm, I've not had a chance to sit down and watch Cockpit Show yet, but oh. like, I feel like the, the addition of Shota, um, how they're positioning people on the board, these feel a cut above progress. Like, you know, they're, pop, they're, they're, they're not the levels we'd have expected two years ago. 
but these are probably better than what I expected based on the empty arena stuff. And I think because everyone's using the same people, them getting having Shota exclusively is going to make them stand out from everybody else, isn't it? Well, and RKJ as well. Like it doesn't seem like anyone else mm. is using RKJ. Um, and I think you know, obviously, he's a controversial figure. And I've said my, I said many words about him. But like you know, having Will Ospreay in your back pocket, having potentially a Zack Saber in your back pocket, having a pack in your back pocket. You know, there is. There is that upper echelon to Rev Pro that it doesn't seem like progress have. And now, obviously, what we don't know yet is, are WWE saying as a statement of policy that they're not going to let progress use their guides? Or is it just a anti-COVID measure that once the pandemic is over, they will start letting progress borrow some of their guys? I don't know, but like to me, Revpro looks a bit better than I than I thought it would be. Um, quite a bit better actually. Like I said, like if I hadn't fallen down and hurt my knee, I would have gone to Bristol because that seemed like a really good show. And that's on mm-hmm. some, that's on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Progress. I, I like. I don't see how they can run these shows in the ballroom. Like even with the buzz of the first show back, they'd they'd do well to sell half the tickets. Yeah, we were talking the other day, weren't we, Ben, how that perhaps they might end up going back to the garage or whatever. But yeah, it's become... I mean, it wasn't too bad when they first started appearing on the network, but it's become quite the chore, hasn't it, with the atmosphere mm. and then Roy Johnson's really cold delivery of everything. There's <sighs> just nothing to it, is there, Ben? No, I think it's been like... The thing as well, knowing live shows are coming back and seeing like an AEW with crowds in it, like, you know, it's it's not always easy, is it, Martin, when we sit there for a BW and go, OK, well, we'll review this drab empty arena progress show again like knowing now that we're at the, the light at the end of the tunnel like i'll be glad to to see the back of those uh sorry will can i just make a point on boy johnson like i, I like roy I, I i think he has a role in british wrestling body no he's, he can talk he's got a good body but like the whole point of progress the thing that made them a really exciting indie back in 2013 is they didn't do the brit breast thing of Who's going to be a ring announcer? Let's dig up some some wrestler somewhere who we don't want to put on the card but can do a job. Who's going to be our booker? Let's dig up somebody from the business who's going to be our ring announcer. No, no, who's going to be our commentators? Like they went out and they got people with like experience in the real world and applied that to pro wrestling. Oh no, has Bridey lost all his comedy contacts that he can't <laughs> stand up to be the ring announcer? You know, do they have so few friends that the, the gibbering idiots who are doing a commentary at the moment are the best they could find? Like, it just shows how small and narrow the vision, inverted commas, has became than just kind of finding whichever wrestlers they don't want to use on the cards um, but are kind of there or thereabouts. That's the best they can do. It just, mm-hmm. I mean... The whole thing is just very lazily put together. The, the, the wrestlers are working hard. They always do. But I, I think that, you know, if there's 10 minutes thought put into those shows, I'd be astonished. Um, but yeah, I mean, moving on from the, the Brit Red stuff before we go, Will, I, I have had a, a writing question here from, uh, from our friend Matty Edwards. Wants to know, um, in this, on this glorious day, Will, what's your tipple going to be for, uh, for the rest of the day? What's your plan? 
<laughs> um, I'm currently drinking lamb spice. <laughs> Wasn't that in the contract that you weren't allowed to drink today? I thought that was there, written down. Yeah, but I didn't sign the contract. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you don't get paid for anything, Will. This is why. This is why I like <laughs> hey, look, I got paid for my spit magazine. Eventually, after many rings up to the office for them to send the money across. They're just playing with alcohol, Lango. Are you going to sign this contract where you'll work for free? There you go. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> we also had a writing question from Liam in the chat asking for uh, your thoughts on the demise of the uh, domestic one-day cup competition. But I think we've run out of time, haven't we, Mark? We can't yeah, we've got, we've got Jordan waiting on the line, so uh, you'll have to uh, quickly get your plugs in uh, before we uh, yeah before we head over to Jordan. Thank God. <laughs> so yes you can find me on uh, on pro wrestling torch uh the the best subscription service um uh for wrestling news and views lots of great podcasts lots of great writers and you can also find me at it could be said.substack.com which actually had an update this week actually wrote something which was how we can use the career of the undertaker to explain the career of dominic cummins which may be one of the silliest <laughs> things I've written in quite some time. Will Cooling thing I've ever heard. Amazing. Uh, nobody else could have written that article about other than you Uh, but yeah well thanks a lot obviously we have a lot of jokes you're always a very good sport and and things like that so yeah thanks for taking the time out to come on because as much as the donations are important obviously we appreciate everyone uh, you know giving the time for this thing today well always my pleasure best of luck guys thank you as well see ya